Travelers. I'm Josh. And I'm Kaheem. And we're the, the Genshin, Genshin Guys. Guys. Welcome all. This podcast is for fans of Genshin Impact, the mobile game made by Hoyoverse, also known as MiHoYo. Here we talk about our opinions, experiences, and dreams about Genshin Impact. If you like our show, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the podcast. Kahi, before we get started, how are you doing today? Cold. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> well then. It's just really cold. Yeah. Um, all of my brain power is just focused on keeping me warm right now. Um, but yeah. Now when you say cold in Hawaii, you mean, you mean like mm-hmm. how cold are we talking? <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, let me just check the good old phone here because I don't have a thermostat. I don't have a thermometer here. Let's see. Uh, currently, it is seventy-one degrees. Oh, that's cold. In how Hawaii. many? How many Celsius is that? Oh, twenty-one. Wow. That is hot. <laughs> that is a. Uh, that is okay. So, it is. Um. So it, it's twenty-one degrees Celsius for you right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And for but us. It's- because it's warm, like, sorry, it's not warm. It's because there's, like, so much, like, water in the air. Uh-huh. Anytime it gets, like, a little bit cold, it's, like, you can feel, like, all the cold bits just, like, sticking. Like, it's icy, icy wind. It's not, like, dry cold when in a lot of, like, other, like, Midwestern states. It's actually just wet air that's slowly getting closer to freezing point. Yeah, it's, um, you're at 21 celsius um but we're at negative two celsius because i live in canada and it's so that's 28 degrees it feels different okay <laughs> oh that's that that the, the spoiled, air is different i swear spoiled hawaii weather I, I got it i know i used to live there yeah we complain about 60 degree weather so besides the weather what else is up um i didn't realize how much anime i have like in my in my queue i'm like i'm trying to balance like games you know work anime food sleep i mean there's it sounds hectic but it's not but it's just pretty hilarious how much i'm just trying to balance my my play (laughs) i have like 10 different shows i'm trying to keep track of and i'm already forgetting a lot of the the characters names some are actually really good some i'm just watching because it's funny um but um the one that uh, did you actually? Are you watching anything in particular? It doesn't I, I have to am be anime, not, but are you watching I'm not, anything? Not watching anything no. particular. I have heard The Last of Us is just really good for people who like games or don't like games or like animation and don't like animation. I'm just, I mean, I'm not a fan of like live action in general, but even like zombie apocalypse like stuff is not really my forte, but. Hey, for it to be for The Last of Us, the the live action show to be this well received by the community is actually really, really good to hear. It gives me like hope for like other future like video game adaptations because I don't know if you guys know this, but Sony like bought the rights to Bungie's uh, Destiny franchise as far as like making like animations and stories and TV shows. So Bungie makes the game, but if they ever wanted to make a, a show, Sony's in charge of that. So I am really hopeful for that now. If like we're seeing a steady trend of, you know, video game adaptations done right. Well, it's one. I it's know. a one. Sorry. So I wouldn't get your hopes up too much. <laughs> it's it's not a trend yeah, quite yet. 
Sorry for all the Halo fans, but yeah, we're we're gonna get something good in the future. I promise. We have Arcane Season Two to look forward to in the far future. But uh, yeah, that's what's going on in my world. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's how I'm feeling. What about you, Josh? How are you? Uh, I'm good. Just trying to get used to uh, Canada and trying to find a community. Hopefully, a community that plays Genshin, but also a community that plays other things I'm interested, in, like Valorant, fighting game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so yeah I'll, I'll kind of i'm kind of just feeling how it is here i've only been here less than two weeks still so lots of potential but all i know is that i have this i have the podcast i have my streams uh and all you guys listening and i really appreciate all the support and uh yeah i'm just you know enjoying my chill time not having to like go to work every day so that's how i've been recently let's go ahead and get started with introducing today's topics so today, we'll be talking about our weeks in Genshin, Genshin news, there's not a lot of Genshin news, but we'll talk about it, and Lantern Rite story for this Lantern Rite event, and Al Haitham's story, his story quest. And last but not least, we will do our community discussion question. So lots to look forward to today, uh, a lot of fun stuff, and uh, hopefully you enjoy. So thanks for listening. Okay, let's get started with our weeks in Genshin. Okay, so Kahi, how has your week in Genshin been? I uh, finally got Yao Yao. Woo! And um, just after building pity, I'm just kind of leveling off my wishes. I have, I'm like 50 wishes into pity, and so I have an extra 51 wishes lined up. So when Dea comes out, I'm definitely going to be hoping for a. 50-50 with my 50 pity and 50 wishes. That's a pretty interesting lineup. Um, but uh, I, as I was doing like, you know, building up pity, just spending like a couple of wishes here and there, um, I got another Yao Yao. So I have a C1 and um, I did, didn't level her up all the way just yet. I have her at level 50 or 60. Yeah, 50 or 60. Um, she's actually more fun than I thought. Haha. <laughs> Because um, I, par I partnered with her with uh, Huta. So I have, I talked about my other team the, the other week. Um, I have my funeral parlor team, you know, where you had like Nahida uh, applying Dendro and then Huta making like a really long lasting burn. Um, I really just needed a Dendro ap ap applicator. So Yao Yao being from the same region, might as well just put on the same team. Um, so I have Zhongli... Hu Tao, uh, Yelan, and Yao Yao. So, yeah, kind of thematic in a way. I was trying to get, like, characters with all, like, black clothing, because, like, you know, funeral parlor. Uh, it would yeah, have matched, aesthetic. but I didn't want I didn't want to go try and go too hard in the theme. But it actually is, is a really good team. Um, her Dendro bunny is pretty hilarious, because the little splash damage is great. I have her, like, 19,000 health at only a, this low level, so... I want to get her to at least 30,000 to be good enough. I'm still trying to make her like a dedicated healer and just dendro applicator, but I've just been playing around with that one particular team for a while while I'm just saving up and getting all the character level ups for Dea, and then I can have a much better pyro team. But yeah, just building my, my team, finishing the stories, I'm halfway through Jet's quest. So I think, yeah, I'll save the story stuff for when we talk about the Lantern Ride and Hytham. But uh, what about you, Josh? How's your week? 
Um, so I just want to say real quick about your team. Uh, seems like you don't really like using your uh, character's abilities, huh, Kai? <laughs> um, what do you mean? Like um, how uh, Hu Tao does more damage when she's low health, and uh, Staff of Homa that Zhongli has also makes him do more when he's low health. But you have Yao Yao who's like constantly <laughs> healing you. So, because I did the same thing actually. I was playing like I was I messing like with the burning characters. I was messing with uh, with um, what's it called? Hu Tao Yao Yao. And then I was like, oh, wait, like, Staff of Homa and Hu Tao, like, she, she, she can't be with a healer or she loses, like, basically almost half her damage. So um, that's why Zhongli and, and Hu Tao are always together because Zhongli's shield is so strong that um, she can be low health and not have to heal. And then when she needs to heal, she'll just hit a bunch of enemies with her burst and then she'll heal back up a little bit, but then she'll use health again to use her skill. So, like, if you have a healer... Well, well that's why I switched the staffs. Yeah, but if you have a healer on the team, it negates mm -hmm. any kind of need to do that at all because you, i mean any the ability to do that almost because you're you're going to be constantly healed while you're under 70 health with yao yao so and you need to be under 50 health to get the buffs so you know it is what it is but uh i know you're an aesthetic player so you know you do yukai <laughs> <laughs> it's just um, it's i don't know i mean maybe it's just the look of it or the feel it's i don't really like when characters get such low health i mean kuki is an, an exception because she heals very quickly and yeah, that, but I don't like fine. that either she's because already, like built. most of the time I'll switch I'll I'll be Kuki, use her skill to have the healing and the and the electro application, but then she'll have low health because I'll switch out of her. So then I have to switch back to her just to give her health sometimes. Right? You know what I mean? Well, I have her with like um uh Kokomi. Because right now her her team is uh Kazuha Ayaka, oh, I see. Okay, okay. Kuki and Kokomi. So, so you I have do two Kokomi's jellyfish first. Yeah, and then when uh, when Kuki comes out and uses her skill, she's getting like healed at least once or twice by I Kokomi. See, I see. And so she's back. She's to always full, my solo full, healer. That's like, that's why I have this feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, that Double makes sense. If you teams have can actually be really good. No, they're su they're super good, especially with Yao Yao and Kokomi, and you do like the Yao Yao Kokomi. Nilu and Dendro Traveler or Ahithom or something like that. Really, really good. Also, I can't wait for Baizu, man. Synergy. That'd be so hype. He's most likely going to be Dendro, I think. Dude, he's, he has to be. I think he has, they've shown him in like, you know, when you look at him, he has a Dendro vision. So um, I think we'll, we'll see it eventually. Wait, really? Yeah, I think so. On his oh, like character model. At all. Yeah. Um, so, but anyway, uh, we don't know yet uh, exactly where that's gonna happen but as far as the other things that went on this week um i uh on stream i won 50 50 and got al Haitham, which was so great i was really close to pity um and i was like 77 or 8 78 pulls or no i think i was already at 80 pulls um and i got a high thumb but i won the 50 50 which is awesome it was on stream it was because my friend was there and uh, he's good luck because he's a beginner and I got his beginner luck to rub off on me. I think that's what happened. We all think that's what happened. So I'm going to run with that story. And um, I was like messing with al Haitham teams. I built him up already to, um, he's already at 90 or he's at like 86. I just need to get some heroes with and level him up to 90. And um, because I've been really excited using al Haitham in a bunch of teams, um, I'm also prepping Lisa. I got her to 80. She was at 60 and I got her to 80 because I want to use her when she gets her costume. And... Um, I wanted to tell you about my theme team that I made. Um, it's not very good, and so I oh, had to switch some share. stuff. But um, I put um, Al Haitham, uh, Yang Fei, Kuki, 
and um and Lisa. Do you know what the theme is? Academics. Yeah, we went to college. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's a good. One. I like so that. So it's one. a. Yeah, so um, it's not a good team in that like um, Yanfei and Alhaitham always want to be out on the field at the same time. So like, they're they're it's like they're both DPS. But so so I'll replace I replaced um Yanfei with Nahida, and the team is just fantastic. Um, but you know, and I think Nahida kind of kind of counts. Not like we went to college, but like I I call the um I call the team scholarship. It is the college <laughs> so scholarship yeah, so, is good scholars. Yeah, so I was gonna call it scholarly, but um, but yeah. So anyway, I uh, made that team. That's fun, and um, I found out that in settings, if you go to controller settings, you can actually change what's on the quick wheel. I didn't know that. Did you know that? Nope. And yeah. I don't know if I need to adjust it because I can get everything. I mean, so so quickly. I also feel the same way. The only one thing I changed is the adventurer's journal because we never use that. So I changed the adventure journal to. It's in the main menu. It's in the main menu, but I changed it to the, um, what's it called? To the camera, so I can just flip the camera out. Camera mode or like the camera gadget. The, the camera mode, yeah. The camera gadget you have to equip normally, like a like huh. the food bag, right? But it's nice to have the camera mode. That on is actually call. good. That is one less yeah. button. Mm -hmm. You can also put the uh the the changing time of day button on there too. So if you want to like do that quickly, you can do that too. So yeah, it's it's worth looking at at least because um, you know it's really nice to be able to customize stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so I figured that out. And um, so yesterday, I wanted to tell you that I had like this seven-hour stream where I finished um, the story for Jet's quest, like the Golden Slumber continuation quest, and. Um, then I also finished Al Haytham's story, and I am, I mixed up that we were gonna do the the desert story today. We're actually doing that next week, right? So I I spent like six hours on stream doing that thing yesterday, forcing myself to do it. Um, it was fun, but I didn't have to do it the way I thought I did. So you know, I feel kind of stupid, but it was fun. We had like a seven hour stream. There was really a bunch of people that showed Babel. up. Yeah, mm -hmm. we will we will talk about next week for sure. I can't wait to talk um, about Babel. Mm. <laughs> it's gonna be so. Long. I I called her I called her Babel, but but uh, you know like the Tower of Babel. But she's a babe. Oh, I Babel's see. That's it, babe. Babel. Okay, I got it. Okay, I got it. I'll call her Babel. Okay, so um, the last thing is that when I was we were doing stream, I was having like the chat pick my team comp, and um, Peachy on Genshin who like comments regularly on our um on a question showed up yesterday and was like yeah shout out woo they had me recommend this team that was yao yao because they really like yao yao and they're like oh, i've been a yao yao main for two years <laughs> i've been waiting since Special the release <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh since her reveal and so um so i did a physical dps yao yao team with like Yao Yao as the main with like Staff of Homa, but I didn't have enough I didn't have enough crit rate, so I switched from Staff of Homa to um to Jade Primordial Jade Wing Spear. I had Pale Flame. I had um C six uh who is it? C six Rosaria, because her burst um lowers physical resistance by like twenty percent. And then C four Xinyan, whose elemental skill lowers physical resistance by like fifteen percent. And then I had Kuki to uh proc the superconduct off of Rosaria's burst so that I could get the uh, the extra physical damage bonus. 
And so my Yao Yao was doing like, I think the most I did in like a charge attack was 17,000 <laughs> on physical damage. <laughs> and every hit was like, was like 7,000, 8,000 and then, or like 10,000. I don't know. It was, it was, it was great. It was so funny. So, and Yao Yao is cool. Like I like her attack animations, but just doing that made me think, she oh man, adorable. I should just do more cool physical, uh, physical builds with people because I really like some characters, um, what's it called? Their, their attack animations, but you never get to use them because you're only using their scale and then you leave. You know, like for example, uh, I like Tomas or, or Kukis, like she has the kunai, like that's really cool. So, uh, yeah, anyway, that was really fun doing the Yaya physical DPS. So thank you, Pichio and Genshin, shout out, um, for recommending that. And we were talking about having maybe on stream, but also in episodes talking about these like fun builds to do that that could be really cool we could you know we should have kahi i just had an idea are you ready we should ask people for their themed teams and we should discuss them as a segment because that sounds fun thematic team we could even make that a community question hmm yeah well let's talk about it uh anyway so that's what i did this week a lot of a lot of streaming a lot of fun stuff and I appreciate it for everyone that came out to support. Thank you so much. So I believe that concludes our week in Genshin segment. Next, we'll be talking quickly about Genshin news. Okay, so in Genshin news today, uh, actually not that much. There's not really any news. I think that because of Lantern Ride slash Chinese New Year, they kind of were taking a break uh, and they didn't really post too much. But Rosaria, her birthday was on January 23rd. So they did, of course, post the birthday posts. And I wanted to quickly, it's not really news, but I wanted to bring up the Alhaitham clone discussion that we talked about last week. Because now that I have Alhaitham, I just wanted to add a point to that discussion, which was how Kaching and Alhaitham look exactly the same with their moves. Remember, we talked about that, right? Character clones. Yeah, we talked about that. Um, and now neither of us had Alhaitham at the time, but now that I have Alhaitham, I can tell you that if you're someone who is like not really reading the ability descriptions and you just press the elemental skill, you attack, 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 you use the burst, attack, 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 Kaching and Alhaitham play almost the same, almost exactly the same. You can play them the same way. But the biggest thing about, uh, Alhaitham, the biggest thing about Alhaitham is that to manage those little chiseled mirror light things to keep your dendro application on and when you're attacking depending on how many of those chiseled mirrors you have you do an extra attack either like those little chiseled mirrors rain down from the sky a green sword comes out of nowhere and attacks there's like an extra green slash those things will happen depending on how many shards you have so most of his damage actually comes from those shards so the longer that you can keep out those three crystals then the more damage he does when he's out, uh, dendro damage. So maintaining that, there's a sort of pattern slash timing that you have to remember in your head. I mean, you can look at it as well, but if you time, you have to kind of time everything plan out ahead of time. And it, I think it makes it so that Kaching and Alhaitham's entry level, like to play them is, is the same level, is easy. But to master them, I think Alhaitham has a higher skill cap, a higher skill ceiling because if you don't do that managing of those little crystals, you do way less damage. 
but you can play him like you play Kachin. So I think it's really interesting because they look exactly the same, and to the normal the player, ceiling. they look the same, but the skill ceiling is much higher when I hide them. So yeah. that's where I just the part point I wanted to add to the discussion because they look they're very much clones of each other, but they added an extra they added extra things to I'll hide them's kit to make him do more damage. There was something about his charge attacks too, like the his charge attacks will either like keep. Uh, we either refresh something or keep something up. Right, right. So, I, I mean, I, I don't want to explain the whole thing. But the, basically, to keep three mirrors, you the typical rotation is you use your burst. And it, when you don't have any mirrors, it gives you three mirrors. And then those three mirrors will start disappearing one by one after four seconds. And then once one mirror disappears, if you do a charge attack, it will add another mirror. Or a plunging attack. Charging or plunging attack. But you can only do that once every 12 seconds. So you can't do it. By the time you can do it again, all your mirrors will be gone. So you do the burst. You have three mirrors. One mirror goes away. You do the charge attack. One mirror goes away again. You use your skill because your skill, when you have mirrors, will give you one mirror. So that's one way you can do it. Or if you start with nothing and you use your skill, when you have nothing, you actually get two mirrors and then you charge attack and then you'll have three mirrors. So like that, that's kind of how it works. You balance whether you want to start with the burst first or you want to start with the skill first and then you try to keep your mirrors up as much as possible that's the main intention for like how his abilities uh work so it is important to know when you are when you should be charging attacking and when you should be uh using your burst etc etc so it's really fun uh i think it's actually like a fun game to play while you're kind of just playing him because typically you just want to like throw all your abilities on him and then start attacking like usually i'll throw lisa's uh burst down or like electric thing and then i'll throw kuki's thing on i'll i'll use nahida to apply um dendro and then i'll just keep attacking and uh until my uh, abilities run out and then i'll switch and then start the rotation over for my aggravate spread team so really really fun i think he just looks really cool too so it adds a lot to his character he definitely does you have mm. that yeah so yeah i just wanted to add that point Design. because they're clones, but there's like an invisible difference that's really big. So that that's like a really interesting thing to me because I, I had no idea, honestly, before we before I got him um, because I didn't invest too much time into learning how to play him because I didn't have him yet. So yeah, now now I know. It's really, really cool. So yeah, so I just wanted to bring that up. Other than that, there's not really any Genshin news that was posted on the news thing. And in news in regards to Genshin Guys, our podcast, I wanted to let you all know that we've decided to try to do a live stream like the one I did before I left Japan every month. So we will at the live stream, we will do a live version of whose voice line. We will do riddles. We will do some playing on on screen. Maybe we'll do some co-op. Maybe we'll do some uh, TCG. You know, maybe we'll even invite people to do domains with us or something like that. Run around the world, take pictures, whatever. We'll, we'll do some fun stuff. It's kind of like a little mini party and we'll have like a two hour stream. Uh, and our next stream it will be on February 7th at 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're interested, mark it on your calendars. I will add it to my Twitch stream schedule later. I have not done that yet. But we will be live on that day together. And we would love for you to come join us. So let us know. If you can come join us, let us know in the Discord just show up and uh you know bring your a game and uh get ready to solve some riddles and do some who's voice line okay now that all being said 
from now we're going to talk about story stuff so we're going to talk about the lantern right story and al haytham story quest today meaning there will be spoilers for those of you that have not completed the story quest yet so please complete these story quests before listening if you don't want to be spoiled but if you don't mind and you just want to listen to it anyway feel free otherwise i recommend you pause the podcast right now go finish those story quests especially lantern right because it does expire and then come back and listen to the episode Okay, that being said, you ready to talk about the Lantern Right story, Kahi? Ready. Awesome. So, I will go over the Lantern Right story then. We will be talking about version 3.4, the exquisite night time. And this is the third Lantern Right event that we've had in Genshin Impact since release. We went over the past two events, their summary of the stories in the past in the last episode from last week and uh, just wanted to first talk about our overall thoughts on the event first regarding the activities so Kahi what did you think about the different activities in this event so far namely the uh, let me see what they're called here the radiant sparks paper theater vigilance at sea and behind the scenes. What did you think of these events? What was your favorite? Like, you know, how were they overall? Let me know. Uh, as far as my favorite, um, it's the most unique. So I like the paper theater. It was actually a little bit more tricky than I thought. Um, Cause you have to, when you switch the papers around, um, clicking on them once, I didn't know this until like midway through the whole the whole storytelling that you could actually just pause the movement i thought like once you started you had to keep switching and you couldn't stop the character from moving but right i finally figured that out um but it's actually a really good brain teaser you have to kind of rewire your brain a little bit because like the edges of the actual scene are also kind of part of the mechanics like um the border allows your character to kind of bounce and move the other way so if you make the character move to one side it'll just start walking the other you you have to just basically plan out you know which direction has does the character have to be walking after you move something and then just figure out how to switch make them walk that way it's it's a very good brain teaser it's very simple i think i'm pretty sure there's a lot of other games like this that are on like there's a lot of phone games that use this same kind of thing like you like adjust the order of the panels and then that just tells a whole new story um so that's probably my favorite um, as far as like you know fun overall like that one but uh, i know you probably didn't like the boat event but i kind of like the boat event especially when there's like a lot of other players like you know running around like i i eventually switched to the just like the solo mode but it was kind of funny when you've seen all these other boats just like take unnecessary damage or like <laughs> you're just you know, going slow and everyone's trying to when rush you, around. When you see everyone else also have not not <laughs> having fun? Okay, got it. Come on, it's funny. It actually is because you see them go straight into a barrel that they were just... You can tell they just held down the boost, <laughs> went straight, and they just explode. It, it, it's kind of funny. But, you know, I'm just like cruising along, just slowly the turning, getting all their coins, and when they die, I just walk and they just cruise right and buy them pick up all their coins and just uh, you know drive around it's just it's it's the the contrast between how fast they're going and how slow you can go and still be in the lead it's it's hilarious 
you just seen the hustle and bustle of like the city and you're just this this you know this farm guy just making your way downtown just like walking along and just running around tripping over each other and you're just having the time of your life i, I like that amazing um, the spark one where you're just running running through the coins just boosting through the coins it, it's pretty simple enough the the spectacle is there like the fireworks is yeah pretty the lights and everything but there is one the reason why i don't like that one the, this is the only reason when you are going through like those wind boosts those wind rings if it goes down it does not dampen like the physics at all or like the inertia because when it boosts you down when you land it's as if you fell and it killed my character well i think i think did you, you i you think I, I think gear genshin just doesn't like you uh, maybe it's just lag okay they're <laughs> like happy but, lantern right boom <laughs> yeah the next firework <laughs> is you <laughs> <laughs> those aren't sparks <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but okay. But, so uh, I, yeah, how's weird. How's your time? How's your, how did you like the activities? Um, so basically same, like I really, I mean, behind the scenes was basically just fighting enemies. Um, vigilance at sea, the boat thing was like, it was a boat thing. So I only did the multiplayer once and I was like, well, I don't really need to do multiplayer. It's much faster if I just do it myself. And so I did it myself and it's definitely not as bad. Some of the games aren't as bad, but you never know what you're gonna get so you know it can it could be not fun but for me just in general the boat is very wonky and i understand that it controls like maybe a boat would has has physics to it but i don't know it just didn't seem that fun to like you said use your boost or use the the fast boost all the way to one side and then want to turn around but then you can't and it takes you like a good 10 seconds just to turn the boat around kind of feels like it feels slow and so not a huge fan uh the paper theater was definitely the best it had like a story it which was really nice um it had those really nice visuals and like you said the puzzle the puzzle gameplay was pretty unique and once you kind of learn the system it kind of made me want more like i did want to do more of them i felt like there wasn't enough because it was really fun but maybe other people who got frustrated with it maybe didn't do it uh didn't like it that much but i felt it was really nice i never used the hint i was really really trying not to use hints so i never used any hints Same. um but it was really fun uh to figure out even when i got stuck uh and in the radiant sparks which was like the firework one one of my favorite ones just because like ever in lantern right just because it was like really fun it feels good to go fast with like a purpose like like you can see yep. where you're going to go and then zip zip and then boom it shoots you upwards and you get more you get more speed boost and then zip so like it feels good to do it the way it was intended and so i enjoyed that part about that quest specifically i think it's cuz i was using hutao it looked <laughs> it just looked funnier cuz oh great i was using yao yao most she, of the time this is like well here's the thing like this is the first time in like over a year maybe even two that hu tao's been in a story i know she even says in the release. story like she says like oh it's been a yeah. while since i've seen you yeah it's been like i want to say close to two years but so like, i've been using her team like the entire time just because like there's reason to use hu tao now and you can see yeah. like, 
her personality. She's such a goofball. I love it. <laughs> Dude, Hu Tao's great. Like I, She's I, I get, like you said, like it reminds me of how great Hu Tao is. Like this story was just so great. All right. So um, you want to start off on like a story summary, like you know, from how it began to how it ended, because I kind of like. Oh, this, it's hard to choose like a like a favorite part of this because I do like some of the cutscenes, but I also kind of like the dinner portion. So, oh my god, okay. Yeah, you want to so start in like let, a short recap? Yeah, let, let's get started with a quick recap because this this was for me one of the best story events, like one of the most fun story events to do, like ever, like in the whole game so far. For technically a side story, not main story, like yeah. all conquest, but like it's still an, an evolving like important part of like character background it's definitely the best you know flushing outs of history yeah what i really like was that in this story they a lot of characters interact with each other and as the characters build as we get more and more characters in genshin it's nice to see them interacting with each other instead of like random npcs so um so let me let me quickly summarize so in this story quest um there was three parts. There was part one, which is a thousand miles for an enigmatic tune. Part two, a single harmony for an irreplaceable soul. And part three, the epilogue. So in the first part, thousand miles for an enigmatic tune, um, we find Dvorak, which I don't understand how that's pronounced that way. But um, I, mm, I'm not going to question it right now. But maybe when we get to Fontaine, we'll see more crazy names. Oh, uh, <laughs> Quick thing, quick, yeah. quick, real quick thing, voiced, uh, voiced by Mr. Marco Meatball. That's right. Yes. So <laughs> that is that so guy is cool. Great. I played it in Japanese, but I um I went through one cutscene just to hear his voice in English, um and I, when I play through it on my other account, I'll play through it in English. But yeah, it's really cool that he's just yeah. a music conductor yeah. like <laughs> in this. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, Marco Meatball is a guy on YouTube. He is an opera singer and voice actor, um, music enthusiast, especially for video games and like, you know, otaku culture, but likes to focus on like the musical soundtracks of a lot of famous uh, video game stories and does playthroughs and especially loves Genshin music. And I believe he was the one who discovered the connection between the Harbingers and the the real world connection of the oh yeah Comedia um, dell'arte Comedia dell'arte yeah right. he he made a video that says hey all these characters are exactly like this real world musical troupe and that's kind of what got his you know channel a lot of attention because people finally saw like you know the original inspiration and you know music is great in Genshin he loves the music and he just he didn't start right away but he made that video and then people say oh you should play you should play the music's really good too and so now he's just completely sucked into this world and just yeah he's, i mean hey he's we we like, used we referred to, to his video when we um did that episode about the harbingers mm -hmm. so oh i love that episode i still i still liked it yeah so if you haven't already heard that go ahead and give it a listen it's about the harbingers and that that big cutscene that they had around senor's death and how they all met up afterwards and the music behind it and their history of the Harbingers. So, or like the inspiration for the Harbingers, according to Marco Meatball's uh, uh, interpretation. So yeah, definitely check that out. But Marco Meatball made himself known in the Genshin commu community for his channel, for analyzing the music. And now he got to voice act an NPC in a limited time event. I think that's so cool. I would love to do that one day, uh, maybe even be a playable character, but um, yeah, we'll see 
in the future like what other cool things happen but for now marco meatball is dvarjak who is this uh music conductor music passionate person from fontaine who goes around to manage the iridescent tour which we have talked about in the story a couple times usually revolving around Xinyan. and so the in- uh, sorry the iridescent tour is just a music touring music troupe slash concert that goes around um they perform in different places all over the world all over Tevat. and this year it seems like a lot of people were not able to perform in different places they were turned down for one reason or another and they were thinking that maybe he could they could perform at Inazuma. it just happened to end up this way and so there's a lot of things where you meet Dvorak, he's actually drowning, and then Yao Yao goes and saves him. And then you meet up with them, and you go to Liyue. And, oh, sorry, I said Inazuma. I meant Liyue. <laughs> so, uh, you meet Yao Yao, you get Dvorak, go to Liyue, go to, uh, start talking to Ganyu, start talking to Kaching. And, um, you learn about Dvorak has a, what he's actually doing is he's walking around looking for more information on his ancestor, who happened to met who happened to have met a fairy-like lady slash creature that saved his life many many years ago like his ancestor so generations ago and turns out that maybe that that actually happened even though it was an old fontaine legend it happened in liyue and so when we look into that we actually find out through the story that you uh that um that one of the adepti is one of the ones who actually saved him. So in this quest, you go through, you get to meet Zhong Li, you get to see Yao Yao talk, Ganyu, Kaching, um, Yelan, just so many different people. And so, and even Ningguang. So at the end of this first part, we decide, okay, so we're going to have a iridescent tour. We're going to have a music festival event at the Lantern Rite Festival. And we're going to have extra act at the very end, which is going to be like kind of the iridescent tour people. The It's like a music concert, like a, was it like a classical concert almost. And so, yeah, so they have that. They decide that that's the first part in a thousand miles for an enigmatic tune. Uh, the theme of this lantern, right, is Seagazer, the adeptus who lived in Leeway, but died a long time ago. Um, and more on that maybe later. But um, for the second part of the quest is a single harmony for an irreplaceable soul. Now, even though the story revolves around Dvorak and this is why we're learning about this, it turns out that uh, Guizhong, the person who made the the Adepti, who made the Ballistas, if you remember from the story, uh, was also she really didn't great. Make the Adepti. I, it, I don't want you to. I don't what? want anyone to mis- mishear that. She did. It sounded no. like you said she made the Adepti. No, the Adepti <laughs> who made she, the Ballista. She made the... I know, but like the, the word order was like, she made the the Adepti. Okay, so Guizong is an Adepti who made uh-huh. the yes. uh, mm-hmm. Guizong Ballistas, which if you remember. And um, so she is old friends with the Cloud Retainer, Zhongli, you know, all the Adepti. And she specifically had a really good friend who is known as the street rambler who is also madam ping and 
we learned so much about the history of Madame Ping, about the Cloud Retainer and Guizhong and their relationship, and how Guizhong was like this bright, creative, like amazing, talented adepti, um, and who was like basically always known for her kindness to brighten the room. And she actually perished during the Archon War in battle. And so just the other the other people were distraught, the other adepti were distraught, especially uh Cloud Retainer and uh, Madame Ping, who were the closest with Guizhong. So I mean we could probably do a whole whole episode just about these adepti, maybe we will. Um but in in this case we learned that it was actually Madame Ping, the Streetward Rambler, who was really well-versed in music, who had saved Dvorak's ancestor a long time ago in Liyue. And so because of that, looking into that information, we learn about the story about the, these Adeptus and what their relationship is. We learn about Madame Ping. We learn that Madame Ping, as an Adeptus, decided that she wants to be this present form, this like old lady form, and that a lot of that is because of how she felt after her basically best friend died in the Archon War. And you see a lot of reflection on these basically gods who never die or just have super long lives until they die from something. Like, uh, I know one of the themes that they were talking about was like, even though that they're the, the Adepti always see humans as like this flame that can just like turn on and turn off, like extinguish like one, uh, it can be turned on one second and then extinguish the next because that's how short their lives are compared to the Adeptus. The Adeptus could be the same in, in a way because all of a sudden an Adeptus could die for some reason, like this war that happened. And it, it was really interesting to see how they coped or didn't cope. Like Cloud Retainer basically never moved on and was always trying to avoid the subject, but Madame Ping or Street Rambler tried to move on, tried to uh, to see life go on and, and to be grateful for every day and help others. And so that's why she became Madame Ping and she lives among the humans and in Liyue Harbor and just so many cool, She made the song too, things. right? She did make the song. So she made a song. Oh, she Only made the song. She made, yeah, the song. So mm -hmm. the story of like how she saved Dvorak's ancestor was that she was uh, inspired by Guizhong, her best friend who passed away, to create a song for her, but she only ever played it once. And that one time she played it, of course, it's filled with sadness and longing and love. And then Dvorak's ancestor actually like was listening to it. Like he heard it when he was walking by and then he walked into a river or something, kind of like Dvorak, and like he was drowning. And then the street rambler saved him. And so that that's like this whole thing about the one time she played it was Dvorak's, the time that Dvorak's ancestor came. And this, the only other time she played it is this time when Dvorak was playing in the concert. So it's like this really interesting, uh, like come full circle moment for their, for like both of their histories, for like all the characters involved in that story, which is really interesting. And um, we also and while we're on while we're on yeah. this before I wanted to share one quick thing. So for those of you, if you watched like the little um, cutscene in the game, um, I mean I hope everyone got to see that. But they also posted it on the Genshin Impact official YouTube channel. 
But the weird thing is they posted it like immediately, like when the patch or the when the weekly story was available. Yep. They always do that. Or like, yeah, yeah. So they they did it immediately. So if you didn't get to play it in the game yet, they already just showed the cutscene on YouTube. The character model for uh, Guizhang, if you compare it to the character model of the Harbinger um, Sandrone, the one that's being carried by the big mechanical, you know, construct thing, they look almost exactly identical. I don't know if that's intentional or I don't know that's coincidental. It just seems a little interesting that Guizhang was known for her prowess at creating mechanical objects and the Harbinger is carried by a mechanical object and looks the same. I just thought it was pretty interesting parallel. Who, Sandrone? Really see that. Sandro oh, sorry. Um, The, the marionette, the little, right? The marionette. I yeah, think Sandrone. Title. Sandrone. Sandrone is the name. I think Sandrone was technically the name of the the big mechanical puppet. I'm still remembering Marco's. Oh, I mean, I'm, look, I'm looking at it right now. So Sandrone is also yeah. known by her code name Marionette. Is the seventh of the eleven Fatui Harbingers. Yeah. Yeah. So Sandrone is accompanied to be by what appears to be is a company. Sandrone is accompanied by what appears to be a modified version of a ruin machine, indicated by symbols all over its body. So. Yeah. So <laughs> interesting little parallel there. Yeah. So the I guess they kind of look similar, but I don't I don't to be honest, like I don't think they look similar enough to be the same. I guess they're really similar. Hair color, height, you know, hairstyle, just of course a little bit different clothing obviously, but they all they both are known oh, to oh my have god kahi mechanical ability kahi what but. if what if sandrone is also a puppet what if she's guizong's that's body? what i'm thinking that's crazy just okay. like how you have ball beelzebub you know cause okay it's, like it's possible to create a mechanical <laughs> at body. first at first i was like no way but uh, now that i just look at them like side by side they're like way too similar <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like only like the hair is slightly different, like points inwards. So I think that would be a the mistake strands, on their the part. The two long bangs. Yeah, I think it'd be a mistake on their part if they if they made these characters accidentally look way too similar. But if it if they're connected, that would be so interesting. Uh man. Okay. Well, let us know what you think <laughs> in uh, let us know in the Discord. Um, because that is a really really interesting uh, theory. So I have not looked into that theory, but. We will. We will look into more of these theories. So, uh, so that's an interesting point. Um, speaking of cutscenes, uh, during that iridescent tour where um, Madame Ping plays the uh, the song, actually at the beginning of that event, Hu Tao and Xin Yan do a rap and a song, and it's very very cool. <laughs> um, I really really enjoyed that. Uh, what did you think of that, Kahi? I, I tried. It's like it's fun, but. From a music perspective, I don't know if I agree with the whole delivery of the performance. But you watched it in Japanese? Is their personality? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I kept seeing clips of like the other languages and. I didn't see the other uh, languages yet. <laughs> it's it's all right. 
Oh man, I really, really liked it. Yeah, I really liked it. I mean, I love, I always love this Japanese like yo, 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 yo rap. Like it's so adorable. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's so wholesome. It reminds me of um, it reminds me of Chica from uh, from um, the Chica dance. Yep. What's it called? The Love is War. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yo, da yo, yeah, yo, 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 rap da yo, rap is life da yo. Yeah. Oh man, you just reminded me. Like they had like the actual the ending performance. Yeah, the ending Shirogane. thing. Yeah, the ending. Yeah, that was so good. It was so well animated for no reason. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like one guy. Yeah, it's so good, dude. I can't even imagine just sitting there and working on that. Okay, so yeah, so that's basically the quest. Um, you as you're trying to figure out. What happened to Dvorak's ancestor? You find out about Madame Ping, the Cloud Retainer, the Street Rambler. Oh, wait. You find out about Cloud Retainer, Weezong, and Madame Ping, and their history, and... You saw their human forms. You get to see their human forms in a really cool cutscene, and... Oh, uh, man, people are freaking out over Cloud Retainer and how she basically like looks like Bayonetta. I think I think she looks like Fu from Honkai, so I think if that kind of checks out. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're really really cool their designs are very you know leeway ancient leeway and um we also learned that Lee's clothes were made by another adepti and i forgot his name but uh, he never wore those clothes mountain until after the archon war. Carver? no no it was um the outfit that he wear not wears now was designed by general capisas which is one of the um adept one of the yakshas one of the yakshas had a hobby of designing intricately beautiful clothes and rex lavis was quite fond of capisas designs and collected many for his own wardrobe including the suit he wears in his mortal form today so one of the yakshas that's why Shao knew because it was a yaksha that did it yeah we should do an episode on adepti and yakshas um like Late, uh, eventually because i think that there's we learned a lot from this quest uh maybe after the desert one we can do that but um but yeah so, so that was like the main story those part one and part two and yeah it was really fun they did a music concert we learned a lot about the adepti and then we have the epilogue which is my one of my favorite scenes in all of genshin so far and it's just a room a big dinner table full of playable characters talking to each other and and there some of them are characters we don't get to see that much and we get to see characters interact for the first time a lot of different characters interact for the first time so okay so let's get into this okay um so first was uh so after the performance, so basically during the performance, Zhongli couldn't come because Zhongli was spending time with his adeptus friends on on one of the mountains. And Hu Tao cooking. And um Hu Tao invited him to a banquet and also invited the traveler. And we didn't have any idea of who would show up. So then when we get there to the banquet, there's actually uh Xing Cho, Xiangling, and Chong Yun. And we get there, I think, right after Zhongli gets there. So it's really great because we just get to see 
Um, first of all, Xing Cho and Chong Yun the whole time are just like, you know, they're like, you know, best friends or more or whatever. <laughs> and we don't know for sure, but, you know, they, they're always having funny banter with each other. And there's Xiangling without Guoba because Guoba is actually taking care of the restaurant while Xiangling is coming to this dinner party, which sucks, but, you know, it is what it is. Zhong Li is there. And then, uh, uh, Hu Tao shows up and brings Xiao. So we have Hu Tao, Xiao, Zhong Li, Xing Chou, Xiangling, Cheng Yun, and then Venti shows up, who was also kind of, I think he was invited, but it was just the craziest cutscene. I don't want to like, I don't, I don't know about spoilers, but like, it was just so worth watching. Like definitely if you, if you miss this event, watch it was the cutscene on mix. YouTube. It was hilarious. Like it's so much joking and so much uh, interaction between the characters, like how Chong Yun always looked up to and always talks about Xiao because uh, Xiao the and language. Xiao and uh, Chong Yun, like Chong Yun's family comes from exorcists and Xiao is basically the ultimate exorcist. He destroys demons, like the conqueror of demons. And, um, you know, we get to see a lot of really interesting interactions between them, uh, between Xing Zhou and Chong Yun, between Shang Ling and the three of them, between everybody, between Venti and everybody. It's so funny because the whole time, Xiao, Zhong Li, and Venti, all and, and Traveler, of course, all know the re their real identities. <laughs> so, like, Xiao Super knows subtle, Venti is like, Barbados. And, conversation, yeah. <laughs> And and the fun the funny thing is that Zhongli has to Zhongli has to pretend it's the first time he's met everybody, <laughs> so he's like, oh, "Oh, nice to meet you. Uh, you know, I heard about you." And like, you know, same for Venti. He's like, "Oh, I don't know who you are." And then Venti's like, "Oh, I think I've heard of you. You're this really really smart guy from Liyue or whatever." And then you you oh no you came to Mondstadt and went to the biggest bar or you went to the best bar in Mondstadt and ordered a a hot tea instead of a drink. And, and um, he's like, oh, I think I heard of you. You're that bard that everyone says is so amazing. And like, it was just really, really funny. There was a lot of uh, comedic moments. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't already seen it. And uh, yeah, I definitely enjoyed every moment of that. There was a lot of things that they talked about when it comes to Xiao and how he feels about being around people, about how he feels um, during the lantern ride and... Uh, his, I don't know, his worries. And um, Zhong, Zhongli, Venti, and Xiao just really, really, and it was really interesting, their, their, their dynamic. So I, I think that my favorite was just watching them all banter with each other. What, what, what did you feel about this whole scene, Kahi? Just the whole character dynamic between everyone there. It's just, it's like watching a party, you know everyone, and everyone's getting along, and everyone's having like conversations that everyone can be a part of. It's so, it's so great. This, is, this whole event was just fun, in all kinds of, in all kinds of directions. Um, interesting thing, like, you gotta, you kinda knew from, um, Zhao's story during the chasm, um, but, you know, like, Zhao does regard Zhongli as kind of like a like a mentor or master, but you really got that sense when he started to talk directly, you know, to him. Right. Like, yeah. You never see Zhao like break his 
character or personality he sometimes lets it leak through like his concern or his worry but like when he's talking with Li, he has like the utmost like respect like he, he's watching what he says like he he kind of stutters a little bit he's like trying to be respectful and Li is just stoic as hell just <laughs> talking direct just you know making an observation sharing a little bit of wisdom and Zhao really has this profound sense of respect for this guy which which is which is nice to kind of yeah. see Zhao break out of his shell here and there more i mean it's more. also to be expected right because yeah. he, he created him mm-hmm. so <laughs> you know. well, yeah so yeah. he knows like where he stands as far as dad but then for zhang li <laughs> but for zhang li to now say well technically you outrank me now and he's like what no 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 i would never think of that but he that, was, that was great right. zhang li yeah. no longer is he technically is no longer rex lapis and he's not like well, the main well, protector well, he's well, just that's the funny the thing is he era. technically is like he technically is he is the watcher yeah. of liyue until he dies and i was watching some things about lore where they're like history has a the Tevat has a way of or maybe celestia or whatever but fate has a way of always quickly reassigning the next archon if someone perishes but until that archon is gone they are the archon like technically as they are alive they are the archon so even if he decides not to do anything specifically to rule he he is the archon but you know he can also decide like you know i'm not gonna do any archon responsibilities like like you know he can do whatever um so yeah my worry is that my worry is that i mean if that was like the rule for this whole time i'm assuming that's because the gnosis was still in effect and still in play and not taken away and like you know given to someone else or being collected in another area if there were like if there were several archons was there ever a time where their gnosis was like stripped from them i don't think so uh, i don't think so but apparently so, I mean, if Zhang Li like uh. passes is there going to be another geo this is just you know i'm thinking like if the gnosis is no longer in play and the G- the previous geo archon passes away will there be another geo archon even though that they have been separated from that gnosis that's that's just what i'm thinking like, so apparently the, like the, that mechanic has been broken so the gnosis thing is really hard to understand but according to the way that people understand like a lot of theory crafters and stuff understand that gnosis's work is that it's kind of uh like a how can i say like a conductor of celestial level elemental power so Without the Gnosis, they can still manipulate the elements very, very well, but they can't use their godlike powers without their Gnosis. Like, that helps them connect to Celestia directly as an Archon. So, I think, from the way I understand it, like, Archons, I don't think they can use each other's Gnosises, um, but when they don't have their Gnosis, they're at the power level that they are when they join us, basically. Like, Jungle you know, can still make a boulder appear from the sky, and Raiden can still you know, make a eternal eternity plane or whatever. But the powers that they had or that they could have are tied to the Gnosis. And just because they don't have them doesn't mean they're not powerful. It just means they're not as attuned with Celestia, which is where the source of all their powers and elemental powers supposedly come from. So there's still a lot we don't know about Gnosis yet. But as far as I understand it, they... The Archons were chosen to be the Archons for a specific reason. And no one has, like, given up the title of Archon to an extent where, like, someone else becomes Archon. 
Like Zhongli said, Zhongli probably would give up his Archon status if he could and give it to just someone else or just, you know, not or just eliminate it completely. But I don't think he can. So I think he is just the Archon. He's like the acting Archon. But, but we'll find out. We, this is just what people have um, crafted theory wise from the information that we know so far. But I don't think we will truly know the answer to this question until we get to Celestia and we get answers. But it's interesting, right? Like he says, hey, I'm not the Archon anymore. So don't address me like an Archon anymore. I'm just the mortal. And he's not. <laughs> like, he's no more mortal than, than Xiao is. But he's just decided, hey, I'm a mortal now. Call me, call me like a mortal would call me. Or like call me like you would talk to a mortal. Uh, so you know i think zhao is technically immortal or just lives a really long time right see the adepti are all like that i, I don't Probably think not immortal i don't think we've yeah. heard of an adepti dying Extended. of old age yet. you know no. i think they've all just been alive well, i mean madam madam ping has been alive for a while yeah but she but apparently and they said this in the story quest the reason that she appears as an old lady is because that's how she wants to appear like she could, oh, right, she could appear, yeah. yeah, she could appear mm -hmm. younger if she wanted to, but she doesn't because mm -hmm. I think this is a, ref a reflection of her, of her feeling of time passing since her friend died, which is kind of what you can learn or like what you can infer from this Lantern Knight story, which is why this story is so important. <laughs> I, I think that they really need to come up with a way to be able to see these stories in game sooner than later because there's so much important stuff here so much voice acting that also goes to waste if you never get to see it yep um mm -hmm. like even yeah. yao yao was mentioning i just remember from her trailer like there's a lot of other adeptus that we just aren't seeing because apparently she can see them or they're she's friendly enough or like she has a relationship with them already where they feel comfortable sharing with yao yao so I'm sure, like, in the future, we could have more Adeptus characters come out. I mean, we're going to revisit Li Wei, obviously, because we keep revisiting Li Wei after so many patches. Right. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there's more characters to look forward to. I just hate how they keep doing this thing where they introduce really cool character art, never use them, uh, some yeah. die straight up. <laughs> I, I Dude, like, the Yakshas so is the bitter. worst example of this. It's like, Yaksha's. the Yakshas, um, A's group of friends... Like Raiden's group of friends, um, like just mm -hmm. all characters we yeah. see with these really vibrant, cool the other Oni. designs. The other Oni, yeah, yeah. So like, man, it's it's kind of crazy that they have so many of these nice designs just tucked away in a corner somewhere. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So okay, so here we are. Um, so that's the Lantern Right story. I mean, overall, it was it was a really deep dive into Leeway's lore, into the lore of the Adeptus into the relationships between certain characters that we haven't actually gotten to see yet um and even though there were a lot of characters interacting in a fun funny way um we still got to see you know how they would act in this specific situation and it's something that we haven't even come close to seeing before like so i think it was really cool to see all these like i said playable characters interacting with each other at the end and in even this whole thing with madam ping like really really important npc cloud retainer really really important npc just we learned so much about them so even about Zhang Li, we learned about you know how he played a part in all this so uh i really really enjoyed it what, what would you say any final thoughts on the lantern right 
probably the most eventful as far as like mini games as well as multiple stories multiple characters voices interactions this is probably the most full an event like this has been as felt um so i definitely enjoyed it because and it has everything it has something for everyone whether you're a story enthusiast whether you're a character enthusiast whether you're just like a gameplay enthusiast i mean it has something for for everyone and they give you free character they give you free you know level up materials talent materials like 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 always but i feel like it was just stuffed with a lot of a lot of content for a for a limited time event which still kind of sucks that people aren't able to experience all of the past ones it's still really good okay so moving on we will talk about al haytham's story which is called vulture volans <laughs> I don't know. It's called Voltur Volan. And um, the first, the overall quest is the first act is called Illusions, the Illusions of the Mob. So we will talk about a quick summary and then we'll talk about our thoughts of the story overall. Okay. Sound good, Kahi? Yep. Sounds good. Okay. So uh, basically, this takes off right after the previous Archon quest or interlude quest where um, Al Haytham is now acting Grand Sage after everything that happened with the Wanderer, Scaramouche, and the Akasha being gone and the Sages, uh, the, the Grand Sage uh, being put out of commission. Basically, the scribe of the Academia, Al Haytham, who is also known for his objectiveness and fairness and genius, basically, is now the acting Grand Sage. So he's not permanently the Grand Sage, but he is acting as Grand Sage for the time being. And there's a lot of different things going on in the Academy right now where the Academia, the the Academia, um, there's a lot of things going on there where there's a lot of uncertainty around who the next Grand Sage is going to be whether it's going to change the way a lot of the projects are done. So the scholars are having trouble getting into their groove. Not to mention, the Akasha is gone now, so there's no way for them to just instantly look up all the information. They don't have internet anymore. So they have to look up everything by books manually. And it has really dropped I the motivation. I never looked at it like that. Yeah, they don't have <laughs> internet anymore, dude. They're, they're, they're analog. <laughs> so they, uh, they have to look up all this information manually in books and stuff. And it's dropped the motivation for a lot of... Uh, a lot of scholars who are wanting to start their own projects. Most people are waiting to just start in um, a new project made by a well-known researcher, for example. So a lot of the... uh, Throughout this story, you learn about the state of the academia. You learn about uh, what people, how people feel about Al-Haytham. And you learn specifically about Siraj, who is a scholar who came into the academia around the same time as Al Haytham and he wanted to experiment on human evolution and creating a hive mind consciousness with a bunch of different people connected to one person as the overmind basically the, the the leader and everybody would work for this queen bee basically as a mindless drone and so he had this idea a long time ago, but Al Haytham was brought in as a consultant, and they he said that this is 
not only does this go against principles of the academia it wouldn't work it's too unstable and basically his uh, proposal for research is rejected and siraj goes instead to of course not being able to accept this he finds a way to uh, go behind the sages backs and start building his project outside of the academia um in the middle of the forest somewhere and he gets he convinces people to join him to be his like worker drones basically and so we the short version of a long story is he gets this guy named Ilias who is found in the academia with his met with memory loss and he basically has this plan to get Ilias to bring the traveler but mostly Alhaitham um Alhaitham to the the hive mine the hive area which is outside of the academia and we go through a lot of things finding out more about Ilias about his memory loss about Ilias's family and throughout all of this we we basically are assuming that Ilias is helping us get back uh, helping us to find Siraj to stop him and stop his project but actually it was part of the plan that Siraj had to bring Alhaitham to the hive to get rid of him because he was the biggest obstacle in his path but it turns out Alhaitham from the very beginning knew everything and he set up this whole plan to fail from the beginning because that's the kind of character Alhaitham is he's smart ob objective he's basically Sherlock Holmes and uh it's really really interesting to see how he undoes Siraj's whole plan and so there's I could go into the details I think it's better to just play it because this is something you can play at any time um and there's a lot of small details that actually don't have to do with the greater story but the actual story itself is very contained within this this uh Alhaitham story there a lot of these characters don't really connect to other characters outside of here the only thing that's really important I think to know that comes out of this is that after we foil Siraj's plan we arrest him and all the people that were involved in his scheme. Uh, Sino comes and arrests him because it's not Alhaitham's job to arrest people as the Grand Sage, but it is the Dai Mahamatra, the, the Grand Mahamatra or whatever they're called. And so Sino comes in, arrests the guys, take him away, and then Alhaitham announces that he has, well, he announced to the Traveler, but he is resigning from being acting Grand Sage and he wants to just go back to being the scribe because he doesn't want to become the Grand Sage permanently, he doesn't want to deal with the responsibility, and there was, you know, just uh, something, basically he was just interested in finding out how people thought of him as acting Grand Sage and how the state of the academia is. And that's why he even decided to go on this whole journey with the Traveler and deal with this problem of Siraj. So, basically just, uh, the whole thing was, according to Siraj's plan, but actually according to <laughs> Alhaitham's plan. And then at the end, uh, we see Kaveh, who is not yet playable, but is uh, most likely going to be playable very soon. Uh, character who is this blonde guy who is Alhaitham's roommate who we met in a different cutscene at the end of the last Archon quest. And, and I think it was actually more of a hidden cutscene. Like you had to, once you left the area, you had to go back in and see Alhaitham arguing with Kaveh. 
And so if you haven't seen that cutscene yet, I recommend you go check it out. Kahi, did you see that cutscene? The one at the end? Yeah, the one where like they're arguing with each other, like in the academia. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the weird thing is like the way it positions your character, like right when you came out of the the cutscene, maybe it was just me and how my character was like facing already. I I walk forward like like not even like one meter and it already put me back into the same cutscene again oh so yeah so, so like, same even so, after the cutscene's done you can walk back into yeah it i watched it, it the second over. time too on accident uh i did it on stream yesterday actually um but no i meant not this time at the end of the last archon quest um when al oh. is known as acting grand sage you your your character's position positioned outside of the main hall but you can actually walk in and see Kaveh and Alhaitham arguing over something. Like you're not involved in the cutscene at all. It's similar to like the one you're talking mm. about at the end of this cutscene, at the end of this quest, but it was the first time you met him. So when you first walk into him and meet them uh, this time, Paimon says something like, oh, to that guy from that one time. If you never did that cutscene, you don't know what she's talking about actually. Uh, or like you see him briefly, I think in the story quest, but you don't actually see him talking to Alhaitham or arguing with Alhaitham unless you walk in again and see that cutscene. So if you haven't seen that, go check that out. Um, but yeah, at, at the end of this cutscene also, at the end of this story also, there is an extra cutscene where once the story is over, if you walk back in towards them, uh, you can activate this cutscene. And you can do that as many times as you want. And I, I did it twice on accident as well because actually I wanted to... Um, Someone, one of the followers on the stream said, hey, you should use Nahida because if you use Nahida, you can scan people's thinking um, during certain parts of this. So I wanted to scan Alhaitham and Kaveh. And because like you said, when you start out by the door, if you want to scan them, um, you have to stay at the door. You can actually do it. And they actually have different things that they're thinking, which is really interesting. So I recommend that. I, if, I have it on stream too, if you want to see it on my stream at the very end of my stream. I was able to scan them and see what they're talking about. But um like it's just one of those cool things where Nahida, Nahida's ability, you you miss out on extra voice lines, on extra in context and story if you don't have Nahida, which is really interesting to me. But it's not none of it's necessary information, but it's always f nice flavor, flavor text to like see their what they're thinking inside. And that's voice acting is like extra treat. But yeah, I mean, it was really interesting. We got to learn a lot about Alhaitham, the way he thinks, how smart he is, um, how his how he is perceived throughout the academia, uh, a little bit about his enemies and why people are his enemies. And then we actually learned about um, how the academia works a little bit, as well as Kaveh and his relationship to Alhaitham a little bit more. It's still kind of similar to like, uh, Chung Yun and Xing Chou, like we we don't know like the, the the deep aspects of their relationship, but they are clearly close enough to be where they are. And uh, there's a lot of suggested stuff, but basically, uh, Kaveh and Alhaitham live together, and Kaveh's like, "Hey, don't tell anybody I live here." <laughs> so the yeah. So what did you think of this quest overall? Like the story? Like did you have any favorite parts or the most interesting parts? What do you think, Kahi? This is weird that this is the most memorable moment. Because it's, it feels like a very straightforward story. Like, you know, there's mystery, you're yep. unraveling it, you're finding out where the bad guy's hideout is. But I'm like, when you go into that, 
the little mini domain. You're like, hmm, I wonder what enemies are gonna we're gonna fight here. Maybe we're gonna fight some Aramites, or are we gonna fight some like maybe some like one people. new enemy that you know is like mechanical. And then no, like you go through the cave and oh hey look mushrooms. Dude, that was <laughs> hey, so look, funny. Guy. So that was like I was also <laughs> like I was like what? I I did this on stream right? Come on, I did this whole thing on stream. Really? And as a joke, right before those fun guys showed up, I said. What are we gonna like fight fungi connected to the hive mind or something? <laughs> we did. Yes. <laughs> and then like because like if they just made fungi, I was like, oh, okay, man. fungi, sure. But then I was, but then he said they're also connected to the hive mind, but I made them the lowest. It's <laughs> like, oh my god, that's so funny. Oh my god. Aramites make sense. Even maybe like a one of the at least maybe one ruin guard might make sense because you don't want like you know sentient life to somehow like get you know, absorbed the consciousness the mind yeah. and give it like weird data yeah but no you just get mushrooms Dude, that's, <laughs> you get fungus so creatures. Funny. that's so funny why i didn't even realize how funny that was it dude. was hilarious but i'm like it's just hilariously dumb that's so i'm so not good. mad at it i like i'm i'm disappointed but i'm <laughs> amused at the same time so yeah which is you know it's all right <laughs> Oh, that was good. Yeah, so, I mean, everything was pretty straightforward. Like, I'm... Yeah. <laughs> the Lantern Rite had more substance than this story. I'm just going to say straight up. It's, it's, right. it's a cool story. So, but I like Lantern Rite. Like, like I said yesterday, I, I was doing for seven hours on stream. I did, for the first six hours, I did the, the, the world quest with the Eternal Oasis. And then with, I did the Alhytham quest right after. And the Alhytham quest was so straightforward. And had nothing to do with anything except that one situation and i was just like wow this is really this is really easy <laughs> like i just i basically uh just walked from one point to one point talked to someone most of the time and fought one time you know what i mean there was like a small small puzzle well, that's how there. these quests go i mean it's, it's mostly story driven true but like you know like i was expecting I was expecting to learn a little bit more about Alhytham and like his history, et cetera, et cetera. But actually we learned about how he is as a character. Um, so we didn't really learn about his background per se. Um, I mean a little bit like that, like when he came to the academia, he decided to be a scribe, just decided to be a scribe instead of like a researcher. Okay. Well, we knew that already. And you know, we don't know about his history, like where he comes from, if that even matters. Um, or like what his plans are going forward besides not being the, the Grand Sage. I guess that's the biggest thing that happened is that he was acting Grand Sage when this quest started and then he resigned when it ended. Like, but that, it just feels like, it feels like nothing happened, to be honest. It feels like it was all one big cutscene. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, I, honestly, I for me, the most interesting part was the end with Kaveh because like, Kaveh, like I said, I, I love that they're... I love when they show characters that interact that are actually playable because then when we play as them, we can imagine these situations between these characters and um, how they're involved with each other instead of like just random NPCs all the time. So I'm glad at least there were some playable characters. Like even Sino showing up at the end to arrest the guy was like nice. I was like, are they going to show Sino or are they just going to imply it that he's going to, that like Sino is going to come take him away? So yeah, I, I, I think it was. The cutscene was uh was pretty cool too, you know, like where he throws his sword into the machine or whatever, and the guy's falling into like a weird warp zone area, um, and all this stuff. But 
It also, again, nothing happened. <laughs> actually, actually nothing happened. So yeah, it was, uh, it was nice to be able to hear Alhaitham talk a bunch and get to see his like sassiness and his like smartness at the same time. Um, I like how he's, there was like one line, I saw someone posted on Twitter before, but I actually saw it in the game when we played it, but he says like, maybe you should learn to, uh, learn to not care what other people think and then you don't have to deal with all these like social relationships or something like that and it was like oh wait yeah yeah what is it my strength is my strength yeah, yeah. About what other my strength is i don't care about other people <laughs> it's mm -hmm. really funny <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean that's how well, i feel yeah, too pretty straightforward story. yeah just uh, wanted to i don't know if i want a part two to this one i mean some characters have a part two like i know yeah. Um, Raiden Shogun has a part two. Yeah, but Raiden Shogun's part Does two is important. Two? Like her, you have to play it, like yeah. to unlock her her boss. And um, I don't think right. Zhongli has a part two, but uh, I mean, I want a part two. Zhao has a part two. I want a part two because I want something else about Alhaitham. Like I want there to be something interesting happening because now that he's not the acting Grand Sage what like is there something else that could happen that causes him to be in a more interesting situation because it wouldn't be something he does willingly it would be something that happens around him so maybe we find out he has family or something he cares about outside of the outside of the academia and they're threatened and so he has to go save them like and so we learn more about yeah we right. learn more about his motivation his character in general that would be nice but you know whatever he's like for all intents and purposes at this point he's eye candy so <laughs> i mean slap a five Pretty you much. know slap a five star rating on him give him a straightforward story and just like uh you know say here everybody look at him <laughs> i was looking at tiktoks in like in the i was just searching genshin on tiktok and looking at genshin tiktoks and there was this tiktok that had like like three hundred thousand views and it was just al haitham's normal attack pattern in slow motion with like oh yeah like music in the background and i was like <laughs> i was like are you freaking kidding me <laughs> oh man it was so good. Okay, anyway. When people's thirst can't be quenched. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was... I'm gonna juice heavy plays. <laughs> but here's, what, here's, here's what I'll say. It was a story. It was a story. And also, yeah, it, Sevy plays up there. The biggest Al Haitham simps on the, on the market. <laughs> it was like, you know, self-proclaimed. I'm not even, like, calling her one out of, like, you know... In negativity or whatever like she says <laughs> yeah this is not like a tease at all like yeah self-proclaimed self-proclaimed <laughs> biggest i'll hype them twitter <laughs> twitter name yeah. oh my god so uh, it's funny I, I love to see people reacting like that but that's what i love about the community you know like they they do these like fun and funny things and all the characters are great and it's just the whole game is pretty wholesome overall and the community is just funny when it comes to a lot of this stuff so you know i really enjoy genshin for partially because of this reason and that's why i wanted to do the podcast and get into the community aspect of it because it's just so great so and there's a lot more things coming forward like lore talks and and things that we'll be doing uh on podcasts off podcast and i'll be doing some other things around the community too you might see me pop up around here and there um i'll mention it when it comes up but i uh, i definitely want to get more involved in the community and us as a podcast to be more involved in the community or you guys to be more involved with us you know like we were talking about in the discord uh asking us what kind of content or we're asking you what kind of content you want to see if you want to help us decide what our episode will be about if you want us to test out a funny build or look into a certain lore aspect 
these lower learn longs that we had before. You know, I mentioned an Adepti episode, um, a something else episode. I don't know. Fatui, we can do another Fatui episode with more information once we have more information. Like, let us know in the Discord what you want to hear, and we will definitely look into it and, and see if we can make it part of the show. Okay. Okay, so that story, pretty short. Now let's go on to our last segment of the day, which is the community discussion question. So, Kahi, uh, what was our question last week? Who would be the best addition to Beto's pirate crew? And so this one, I know it's a question that was on everyone's mind. <laughs> um, the best addition to Beto's pirate crew. Uh, before I say mine, Josh, what do you what do you think is the character that would most likely be in her crew? Uh, I don't know about most likely be in her crew, but I think best addition to her crew would be wh- who I want to see would be Nilu. Nilu, okay, why Nilu? <laughs> yeah, because they need a dancer for morale. And I want to see Nilu wearing pirate clothes. <laughs> so, you know, why not? Uh, the princess of the Alcor. Yes, I love it. Yay. Okay, well, here's the thing. What about you, I, Kai? I thought about this for a very long time. And of course, there's like the answer that of I course want. Of course you did. But then there's the answer that actually makes more sense. Um, I love okay, all do both. The I want to know both. I'm like, which one? Okay, the one that I want would be Dea. Just because... You know, great sword users. She actually wants a sense of adventure. And they're both kind of like mercenaries in a way. Like, you know, weapons or muscle for hire. That'd be great. However, I think the best addition would be Amber. A couple of reasons why. Um, so Amber definitely knows knows her stuff. She's a good scout. Um, you know, very well versed in you know a lot of protocols. She's like very good. I would, I believe she's a good navigator. Um, she, she has like that. Well, she's with the the scouting troop with her, with the Knights of Favonius. Um, however, she also has a good lookout ability. She can definitely. She has a sense of adventure in that regard. She also has her um, the what is it called Baron Bunny, that can be used as like a depth charge. She can like toss it overboard, which attracts like fish or attracts enemies, and just like explodes in the water um so yeah amber um because she doesn't seem like she would be bored on a ship she doesn't seem like she would be like um ill-suited for the task because you have to keep in mind you're you're on a boat you're going to be doing a lot of manual labor you're going to be going through times where you probably aren't going to have as much you know freedom and fun as you would want so i i wanted honestly a lot of people might be seeing uh, uh, other types of characters, but I feel like you gotta keep in mind like the mentality you have to have to be on a pirate ship for an extended period of time. You have to know how to keep yourself entertained, keep yourself sane, and just occupied, and help like build the morale of everyone else on the on the crew. So, Beto, you know, is the you know captain, kind of keeps everyone together. Kazuha is more free spirited, but you know has enough calm and you know has the mindset that can last you know for for a while. But um. Yeah, that's the that's the character that I thought would be a good good little addition. Uh, so, and uh, Josh, what was yours? Who did you say would be a good fit? Wait, I think I said already. I said Nilu. Yeah, Nilu. But like, Nilu was there like a particular reason why, other than you know just being like 
the dancer or just should add like life to the the boat okay so i mean i was thinking about it as like best edition meaning like i i know i was thinking along the lines of personally like who would i want to see on beta's crew Mm -hmm. but i guess the person that i would pick if i thought would be like the best part of her crew would be someone like Shinya, maybe i mean i know we see them together before but yeah i just i just think the i like the idea of like adding entertainment value and uh like to the long journeys oh, on the true. ship and so mm-hmm. like having someone and and you know Shinyan's kind of super go with the flow and she's tough so i think she would be perfect to i think she'd be like a perfect partner for beidou uh, as like a part of her crew yeah i can see that yeah because it the value of having that kind of entertainment or that you know happy-go-lucky attitude yeah i can see that um oh well, let's get into the community answers so we have first of all um primo gem is god says fischl and kaya for the eye patch <laughs> makes sense um and please do more whose voice line please yes we definitely are going to keep that up for as long as we can we'll probably evolve it later on but the voice line game is actually really fun i like thinking about them analyzing it seeing what the match could be it's also nice hearing what they sound like in other languages yeah we'll do more soon um rang tang mm-hmm. yeah well definitely rang tang probably aloy so she can be involved in the story yes she needs to be in the story somehow not just some <laughs> PlayStation exclusive token character. Oh my god, as um, a trip, uh, as a hmm. as a part of the crew would be great. Yeah, like we fished her out of the water. <laughs> we have like no idea where she came from. I just, right? oh, I just realized that'd be a funny parallel to like how you found Paimon at the beginning. You fished her out of the water. All right, next up we have Pimzo Balto. I think Kuki would be a great addition to Beto's crew because she could take responsibility for the crew if Beto is gone. Kuki is probably the most responsible character of like all of them, aside from the ones who are actually in positions of responsibility and like, you know, power. But yeah, Kuki is just super level headed, knows what to do, is like strong in her own right, but also is like what keeps her whole gang together anyways. So she basically runs Arataki Ito's gang for him. So I can see that. Uh, next up, we have Todoroki Shoto. Uh, Shenha. Shenha on Beidou's pirate crew. Hmm. I don't know if I can see it. Can you see that, Josh? Um, well, considering Shenha showed that she can uh, stop tsunamis, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I guess so. You know, that would be good, yeah. Like a big wave incoming. In like a stormy, like, like a stormy uh, mm-hmm. weather, she can like protect the crew i guess by just freezing everything yeah that could work good good utility oh and here's and she doesn't eat a lot too so she wouldn't you know she wouldn't like take a lot of rations away yeah that could work uh next up uh blackbird says official is great for uh fighting long distance I'm sure you guys are more experienced, but she's a great backup. Also, love the Pokemon team. Yeah, last week we were talking about like funny teams, like with Yao Yao and Fischl and yeah. Guoba. You know, having like a, a full on Pokemon team. I would love to do that, but I gotta build up characters that I don't have leveled up yet. Uh, next up, Octira. The kids from Leeway. They have more pirate experience than anyone I know. I 
kind of like that idea, but at the same time, like kids on like a boat on a long expedition, especially with like if like one mistake happens or something breaks, you're affecting the whole boat. I, I see it, but I don't know if I will completely agree. Wow, two think, people Josh? said the kids. What? Yeah, Octira and Noctomicello, the kids from Leeway Pirate Commission. And the non-Genshin so person funny. would be Captain Jack Sparrow. That'd be that'd be funny. Any uh, any any pirate would love Captain Jack Sparrow. Dude, but Captain yeah, Jack Sparrow and Beidou would just leeway. be fighting all the time. They'd out drink each other. Okay. So how about uh, yeah? Next up was this. How do you say it? Noctophile. Yeah, not Noctophile or something. Um, sorry if I mispronounced it. Uh, I feel like Yao Yao. Okay, Yao Yao on a pirate crew. Hmm. Don't know if I. I think Yao Yao is too precious. I don't want anything to happen to Yao Yao out there at, at open sea. Kahi, She's I just, just want to say how I, I love how seriously you're considering all these answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to see what makes sense. I mean, you're talking about a pirate crew, the greatest pirate captain to ever sail the seven seas, or the two seas in this game. I don't know. Um, <laughs> right, how many seas we have no idea. Looking at it from an, an analytically, we have no idea. There's like one big ocean on the right side, on the east side of the continent. I don't know. Maybe we'll see more bodies of water. Yeah, um, I'm curious if the, 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 the world hmm? will wrap around. Who knows? But I mean, I kind of like the having the sense of like an endless open world. Because the moment you have like a border or you're like an edge... People are not going to think anything past that. They're going to think, oh, but the world, the world's complete. Right. We're done. Like the, the sense of an open world needs to have that feeling of continuousness and open, open forever world, you know? I mean, I'm sure there's a physical limit. Yeah, we'll but see. You're talking too, too close to lore. Um, next up, yeah, Metalhead Otaku. Yoimiya would be right at home on Beto's ship. I kind of like that idea. You're a Yoimiya main. What do you think? Uh, I think she would actually. I think she'd be perfect for a beta ship. Weirdly enough, she's also very go with the flow. She, yeah, she knows. I mean, she she carries her weight. She you know she runs a shop. She has fireworks, so she could use it for like signaling or even like attacks. Yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah, she'd be the flare master. Next up, we have. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Charlie Hu Tao. Hutao on a ship with Beto would definitely add more life to the ship. Ha! Definitely. Mm. More life? I don't, I don't know how, like... I, yeah, that's why I said it. <laughs> As the director of Funeral Parlor. Ha! Um, yeah, I can see that. I don't know how... I don't know how useful she'd be to the crew, though. She seems like one that would, like, slack off on, like, responsibilities and, like, actual work but yeah what what kind of match uh peachy on genshin yao yao as she loves to sneak on <laughs> it's a skyrim reference sneak 100 or venti from the kazuha venti conversation after la lantern right of course no drinking venti on a ship i think would be great because he can conjure wind to blow into the sails and like you know give them or like a boost of speed or like change directions he'll be a great utility and of course he's you know 
the bard. You can give some music in the background as everyone's working. I like that idea. Next up, we have Archangel. Klee would turn Beidou's ship into a genuine weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> Imagine carpet bombing a city with Jumpty Dumpties using the ship's ballista. Okay, you know what? I... Oh, even the next one, even Lex Luthol, Master Gunner Klee, Fish Blasting, check. Firepower of the Alcor increased by a thousand percent. And Jumpty Dumpty during boarding actions, bouncing down hatches and floating at the waterline will sink any enemy. You know, I was thinking Klee, but I thought it would be way too, like, oh, what is it? The potential for her, like, explosives to accidentally explode the ship is way too high so i don't want anything to happen to the boat but as far as like offensive capability yes <laughs> clee on the on the ballistas or they just throw clee onto the next ship and see what happens it'd be hilarious all right so that'll be all of our community answers uh josh what do you think was like the best answer from the community so far which one do you think would match the best I mean, I like the official and Kaya. That have an, they have an eye patch, so yeah, that that works for me. <laughs> I think that makes sense. Visually, aesthetically, it makes the most sense. Yep. All right. So next question, Josh. Did you want to introduce our next question? Yeah. So our next question, our community discussion question is, what is the luckiest you have been in Genshin Impact so far? Tell us the story. So you can answer this question either on our Discord in our community questions channel or on Spotify or by replying to our Twitter post about this episode on Twitter. So let us know we want to hear from you and you could be featured here on the next episode. So get your answers in as soon as possible. So that wraps up the show for today. As always, thanks for listening. And if you have the time, please leave a comment and a review. We'd really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening. Follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash jside. Our uh, Genshin Guys Twitter at Genshin Guys Pod. Follow Kahi at Kahiao, K-A-H-I-Y-A-O. And as always, Ad Astra Abyssos. Enjoy. <laughs>